going to have to wake up. I want you to put, put your elbow in your neighbor's side and say, wake up. Say hallelujah with me, will you? Wow. I'm not sure I've ever heard a Baptist group say that like that. Do that one more time. Yeah, amen. You know, when, when the worship team comes out here, they don't come out here for our um, entertainment. They are worship leaders. And I, I want to thank them this morning for just again. Amen. Amen. Just helping us get in the throne room. And I needed that this morning. It's been a long week. I'm not going to talk about my week or anything like that. I want to dive into God's word this morning because it's important that, that we stay to the task. And, and, but at the close of the service, I'll share a couple of things with you, a little homemade video, very raw video that, that I want to share with you. But just, uh, just continue to pray for Agape Flights. Pray for, for everybody that's involved in this, in this disaster relief for the Bahama. Uh, for the Bahamas and for the Bahamian people, especially on Abaco and Treasure Key and Sandy Point and Elbow Key and uh, Grand Bahamas, Freeport. I'll, I'll tell you at the close of the service a couple of things, but I want us to dive into God's Word. What does Jesus want us to do? What does He want us to do? And we've been asking that question in this message series, Jesus Wants His Church Back. Now this morning, uh, probably will be a controversial message. So I'm going to just preface my comments today. Don't get mad at me. I want you to love me, okay? But don't, don't hurt the messenger today, okay? I, I told my wife what I was preaching on today, and she said, are you sure? She said, Alan, those people really love you, I think. And I said, well, they're going to love me, I think, after that too, but I have to share with them the truth. And sometimes, you know, the truth is, is difficult to, to handle and to take. Take your Bibles, Mark chapter 7. This morning, I want to invite you as we read the Word of God to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. The Scripture says this, now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come to, from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and, and, and dining couches. And, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked them, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy, O oh, you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. 
I want you to look at your neighbor, and just before you sit down, I want you to ask the question, what does Jesus want us to do? You can be seated. I, I love playing golf. I really like to play golf. I mean, I love it. Now, understand this, and I can verify this. I am not a great golfer, and Dick Garland will attest to that. I'm not a great golfer, but, but I love the game. I enjoy it so much that, that oftentimes I will go out and play a two-man scramble by myself. And I will shoot two balls, keeping track on Allen number one and Allen number two. And let me tell you, Allen number two always beats Allen number one. He drives better. His approach shots are better. His putting is tremendously better. One day while I was playing that format out by myself, just kind of getting some golf therapy, I suppose, I call it my God Only Life Fellowship, G-O-L-F, okay? But I was out playing this format. I ran into a man who was by himself, and, and he offered to me to play through what we call playing through, but I, I decided that we would join up together and play whatever we had left in the round. And as our round of golf continued, our conversation began. And so one of the questions he said to me was, Alan, what do you do for a living? Hmm. I shared with him, you know, that I was the CEO of Agape Flights, and for many years I was a, a, a pastor, and immediately I, I, I sensed a defensive posture, you know, a hesitancy. And as we proceeded through the golf journey, he, he began to open up to Alan number two instead of Alan number one. But, but he began to share with me his distaste for the church. He said his late wife had been involved in this evangelical church and that he had attended with her. He didn't have a lot of church background, but he began to attend one of even the small groups and through a series of events, which ultimately led him to say this to me. I want nothing more to do with the church. In fact, I'm fed up with the church. This gentleman, by the way, now serves at Agape Flights as one of our volunteers. And he often attends our Thursday morning chapel service. I don't think he's attending a church yet, but I'm giving him something to think about. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm not a big bumper sticker fan. In fact, I saw, I saw a truck today on the way to church right on Manatee Avenue. I mean, covered in bumper stickers. Uh, this guy, I, I don't know exactly who he was. Maybe he's in this congregation. Maybe I better shut up right now. But you know, some people love to clutter the back portion of their vehicles with all kinds of messages. Like the mom who's proud of her son. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of your son who's a football player. And so she displays a, a pair of shoulder pads with his name and his number in the middle and the school logo. That's really cool. Or, or the dad who has this really intelligent daughter. And he has on his truck this big, big four by four. My daughter is a member of the honor society. She gets her looks from her mother and her intelligence from me. You ever seen the bumper sticker? that depicts a steeple and a cross, and then it says, beware, I throw up every time I go by a church. Now we, we go, oh, isn't that terrible? But can I be very, very honest with you? There are a lot of people out there who feel that. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make something very sure to you that I am not going to bash the church. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love the church. I love this church. I love you all. But I want you to, I want you to hear the truth today. People who make the church a church, I love. I love you. Without the church, I have no clue where I would be today. In fact, when I thought about this, I have no clue where my marriage would be. I have no clue where my family would be. I have grown up inside the church. I mean, as an insider, a preacher's kid. I'm a Christ follower as a husband, as a father, as a leader, primarily as a result of being deeply connected to the church. Sunday school teachers have poured their life into this man. RA leaders and, 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 and youth pastors who have said, that, that's our pastor's son, but I'm sorry what he just did. You know, I, I was, I, I, listen, preacher's kids are typically the wildest part of the bunch because they hang out with the deacon's kids. <laughs> no, you know I'm joking a little bit, but not really, but... <laughs> I thank God for the church, don't you? Man, I love the church. I'm, I'm so glad I'm a part of the church. But, but beware of those words printed on the back of that mom's minivan because they made a statement, we had better not ignore church. Why is it, why, why is it a point of view more and more people agree with? They want nothing to do with the church. When Halloween, a, a local outdoor mall near our church in southern Illinois invited us to come and, and put up tables and, and, and hand out free candy. And some of, my, some of my staff, in fact, some of our volunteers said, well, do, do we really want to do that? I said, listen, yes, we do. They're not inviting every church. They're inviting our church. And so we went there, and man, the, the stores saw us there, and parents got they, they, got, they got their kids a, a great safe place to, to trick-or-treat, and dentists got the profits a month later, and, and our church got a huge opportunity. We set up tables and handed out candy, and then along with others, we started talking to people. And I would say to you, you know what I would say to people, do you have time for a quick three-question Survey And if they said yes, I ask, are you an active member of a local church? And if they said yes, the survey was over. We didn't move on. But if they said no, they didn't attend a church, then I'd say that's fascinating. You're obviously a very intelligent person, so why don't you go to church? You're a very sharp person. Why is it that you're not connected to a church? We wrote down everything they said. This was southern Illinois, rural southern Illinois. It's not like... It's not like Southwest Florida, but the third question was, what would it take for a church to attract somebody like you? Three questions. And one afternoon, we got a huge education. This pastor did. We summarized the top reasons why people didn't a church as the following. I don't want to be badgered for money. That was the one. Churches are filled with hypocrites. I had to agree with them. I'm a hypocrite a lot of times. If you don't recognize that you are, then we got a problem. 
I don't want to be talked down by some preacher who acts like he's better than I am. The music is awful. But you know what? We went back and we started, we started evaluating what we were doing. Listen, whatever we do, it needs to be done with excellence. The days of singing three hymns and having an organ soloist are over, ladies and gentlemen. I know that that doesn't, some of you are going, oh my goodness, I, we really like this guy until that statement. But I'm telling you, our methodologies have to change. Listen, I, I appreciate so much this worship team this morning. I mean, you've already heard my comments, but I, here was another one, and boy, this hit home. The sermons are boring. <laughs> I'd agree with them. I've got to do something about or I'm busy, so I don't want to waste an hour. <laughs> what would attract people to church had basically one answer. It really did. If you could help my kids and help my family, I might show up. If you could help me, if you could somehow help my life, help, help me come to a better understanding of who God is. Listen, people are fed up with church, and I want to give you some reasons why they are, and I want you to stay with me this morning because, ladies and gentlemen, we sometimes get it all wrong, and I'm telling you that I get it all wrong sometimes. Stay with me and, sh and let me share this with you. Number one, people are fed up with churches that treat people like outsiders. Oh, my goodness. I will never forget standing on the front porch of First Baptist Church that I pastored. Following the morning worship, the last morning worship service in the town where I pastored, I was hugging people, I was shaking hands with people. There that day, the football coach of the local university and several of his associate coaches, because I was the volunteer chaplain for that particular football team, had come over, had driven 20 minutes, had come over and had been in our church along with about 20 football players, college football players. When they walked in, I mean, it's like, Man, move out of the way. The offensive line is going to take up this pew. And the defensive line, I mean, these guys were huge. Some of them 300, 310 pounds and built like brick houses, okay? Man, some of the folks in my church, when they saw these guys walking in, it was like, oh, man, preacher's got his bodyguards with him or something, you know. People were leaving the worship center. And I didn't have an opportunity to express to all those guys that I was so grateful. And, and we were really tight on space, not, not like we are here. You've you got amazing facility right here. Man, I, I, the first time I walked in this building, I went, oh, Lord, please, please, I just coveted. I just coveted. Why didn't I ever have a building like that in southern Illinois? And, and the Lord said, quit sinning, Alan. You know, but, but I'm standing there on this little dinky front porch with, you know, it's, it's supposed to hold 20 people and it got 100 people right there. And I'm trying to, and, and I look at, and there's coach. And you got to understand, now this is a football coach. Standing on the front porch, surrounded by a lot of church people, the head coach, walking to the team vehicle out in our parking lot. And he turned around and he saw me and he said, hey, Alan, that was a hell of a sermon. And I smiled at Coach. It was probably the first time he'd ever been in a Southern Baptist church. And I ran out to him. I shook his hand, and I thanked him for coming. And I told my people, I said, let me tell you something. That was his way of saying great job. 
Now listen to me, I don't talk that way. You know I don't. But I can tell, tell you that the following year on a bus ride home after a big win from Indiana State, that coach sat down beside me. And three hours later, we talked about what it meant to receive Jesus Christ. And he received Jesus. Over the years, he began to phrase his sentiment regarding the sermon a little differently. <laughs> but I have to be candid with you. I'm so glad he was there, and I'm glad my church got to experience what it means to hear and experience how the world sees church. We get so caught up in our little corners and our little cliques that we don't understand there is a world out there, ladies and gentlemen, that wants to know what we have. For too long, churches have majored in making people feel like they're outsiders. We have created an alien environment that seems designed to communicate the, to the vast majority that they are outsiders and they don't belong. We have inside sort of customs. We sing inside songs sometimes. We use inside language, which often gets really pretentious. Bible study becomes hermeneutics. Preaching becomes homiletics. Teaching the Christian faith becomes apologetics. A church service becomes a liturgy. Loving Jesus becomes Christology. And, and then church life becomes ecclesiology. And talk about the universe, and that's cosmology. And having a faith-based worldview, that's epistemology. I'm giving you all these big words. And the closing song is the doxology. Talk about the Holy Spirit, and we don't even know what to talk about there. Talk about salvation, and we give it another word. The Bible becomes a canon to tell about Jesus. That means you're missional. The more unchurched people who pile into our church today, the more we will begin to realize that our phrases are unintelligible. All of that adds up to creating an elitist, foreign environment guaranteed to make most people feel like they don't belong. Listen, if you have never, or if you have come to church but you don't have a church, you are welcome here. We want you here, and please forgive us sometimes for creating this environment. Help us change that environment so that when people walk through the doors, they know you are welcome and safe here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number two, people are fed up with churches that are disconnected from the real world. Many churches, ladies and gentlemen, emphasize and put money into buildings, choir robes, stained glass, and other things to make their religious experience more pleasant instead of helping the very people that God put in their own community. You should shut the doors of the average church and the community in a community, and the community wouldn't even know that they were shut. Why? Because most Christians and churches are disconnected from people and the needs in their own community. We have to come to the place where we again say, God put us here and we're going to reach out into the, the town, the city of Bradenton, right where God planted us. 
Most of us don't know that there's a pregnancy center right across the street from this church. It's right there. Most of us don't realize that every day, walking in and out of the parking lot, sometimes finding a place to put their bed right here on our campus, are people who are helpless, homeless, and hopeless right here. Many times I've found churches are more like country clubs or holy huddles than hospitals for sick and dying people. Number three, people are fed up with churches that they're all about money. Let me tell you something. I know what it means that, listen, somebody said, how are you going to fly all that stuff to the Bahamas? I'm not quite sure yet, but God is. I got two planes. One of them's working right now as we're talking. I've been calling, begging for other planes, and and we're going to lease some bigger planes. And I got 75,000 pounds of supplies that need to go ASAP. I'll go back home this afternoon and begin to work more and and try to get. But listen, money is not the issue. If you think I'm worried about the resource and the money, I'm not. Because God, God owns the cattle on the thousand hill. I mean, God is able, isn't he? Come on, y'all, help me out here. I mean, if I were an African-American church right now, they, they would have already preached me down, okay? But listen to me. Listen to me, folks. First Baptist Bradenton, listen. Money is not the problem here. That's not the problem. You know what the problem is? The problem is that we have to believe that God has planted us here, and he has for 130 years, and he has a plan and a purpose for us, and he'll provide the revenue, whatever. Listen, doing ministry costs money. Right, John? It does. But where does it come from? It, it comes from the Lord. But, but you say, but, but what about my money? It's not your money. It's God's money. He just gave it to you to manage. Oh, the lights are coming on now. Wait a minute. Now you're talking about my checkbook. No, it's not your checkbook. It's God's. It's God's. That's another sermon, so I better hurry. People are tired of churches that keep score with money. Christians are called and compelled to be generous. That's what we're called to be. But the church is never called to manipulate people into generosity. Look at the secret the Apostle Paul uncovered when he wrote, They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us, they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then to others. That's what God is calling us to do. Their spiritual commitment led to compassion. Number four, people are fed up with churches that have convictions but no compassion. Someone told me about a a story about an African-American man who moved into an all-white community and not realizing how unwelcome he would be. On Sunday, he went to the local church, but no one talked to him. And he went four straight weeks and then made an appointment with the pastor. And he said, I've been coming to this church here but I'm having a really hard time connecting, the man said. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, maybe God doesn't want you at this church. Four weeks later, that guy ran into the pastor in a grocery store. And the pastor said, hey, I haven't seen you. Did you pray about it? What did God tell you? And the guy said, I prayed about it. And God told me, don't worry about it. I've been trying to get in that church for years and they won't let me in either. 
The Bible is crystal clear, ladies and gentlemen. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I want you to hear this pastor's heart. I'm the, I'm the transitional pastor, okay? Just so you know. But, but I, I want this church, I want this church to be so multi-ethnic that we don't even recognize it's multi-ethnic. That black and, and, and that, that, that African-American, that Haitians, that, that, that Dominicans, that Cubans, that I heard of a church this week that had 47 ethnicities represented in their church and I went, I wanna go there. Cause that's heaven. I, listen, I, I'm talking to my Caucasian brothers and sisters right now, listen, we, need this church to be multi-ethnic. We need it. We need, and we need it to be so multi-ethnic that, that brothers and sisters, when, when folks walk into this building, they go, wow, that's what church looks like. That's what church looks like. You guys know I'm, I'm tired today, but maybe I preach better when I'm tired. I hope so. People respond to the church when our compassion breaks down these barriers. Number five, people are fed up with churches that replace truth with tradition. If a practice or issue isn't outlined in the Bible, then it is a preference or merely a habit based on tradition. Jesus said this, look at Mark 7, verse 8. You set aside the commandment of God and hold tightly to the tradition of men. The minute that happens, the church becomes petrified. The preference of people replaces the principles in God's word. And the people who need the church the most, grace. They don't grace it with, with their attendance. They grace it with their absence because we need people who have never darkened the door of this church to start coming. And we need to be prepared for those people. What do the following things have in common? VCRs, flip phones. I know some of you probably still have a flip phone. Answering machines, folding maps. I hated those things. You can never fold them back. Floppy disk, <laughs> movie rental stores, analog TV, phone books, landlines, Kim Kardashian and Damon Thomas, Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys. What do all those things have in common? Great start, lousy finish. Uh-oh, some of you will get it later. We have to add one more to the list. The average American evangelical church. Great start. Most of them lousy finish. Sad truth is today that the church is at the lowest point in American life. The percentage of people unaffiliated with faith has doubled from 1990 to 2015. The percentage of people uh, willing to describe themselves as atheistic or agnostic has grown fourfold during those same years. The church in the United States of America today has the least amount of influence it has ever had. It is plummeting in likability. We are burning out pastors. We are watching students walk away from their faith, and for the most part, we have lost our impact on culture, ladies and gentlemen. 
between four and 7,000 churches close their doors every year. And according to Tom Rainier, it's getting worse. Predictions are for this coming year to be estimated around 10,000 evangelical churches will close and or sell their property this year. Less than 20% of Americans regularly attend church. Church attendance has been and is in steady decline. It is projected by the year 2030, the percentage of the U.S. population attending church will be almost half of what it was in 2015. Several years ago, in the 1990s, the church where I pastored sponsored a building of a church in Belarus. And following my visit there to participate in the dedication of this building, I had the privilege then to travel throughout Europe. The trip was exhilarating with one major exception. When I visited church and cathedral after cathedral, I saw the magnificent art. I saw the amazing structures. I saw the stunning stained glass. I saw the icons and the pageantry and all the historic religious rituals. The only thing that was missing people. The buildings were beautiful but barren. They had everything but they were empty. The Bible tells us about a rich church in a wealthy city in Laodicea, a community with many of the conveniences that we have and including the, the equivalent of even indoor plumbing, shopping malls, huge sports stadiums. Perhaps the church has also now has beautiful grounds, gifted preachers, and the applause of people. The only thing this church was missing was the one thing it needed, the blessing, the presence, and the power of God. Ultimately, the reason that was missing in the words of Jesus was that they were lukewarm. Ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you today. I'm a tired man, but I, I can tell you that, that God has given me enough uh, adrenaline today and enough enough strength in me to understand that when I am weak, he is strong. But the message God sent me here to give this church that I dearly love, First Baptist Church of Bradenton, God has not given up on us yet. God is not going to give up on us. But some of us have, have really short sight. We have spiritual cataracts. We don't, we right now don't think this church can really do amazing, great things. You don't have to wait for a preacher. You don't have to wait for a senior pastor. God's given you wonderful pastors. You just got to be willing to say, here my Lord. What is it you want us to do? What does Jesus want us to do? And then go do it. Do it. I hate to use Nike, but just do it. Just do it. And understand this, that God has not walked out. Now, he may be, some of you may think he's out there standing, knocking on the door. We got to run to the door and say, Lord, come on. Come on. Do it. Do it in us. Again, I dream of the day. I pray that it's while I'm still the transitional pastor here. Because you know what? Let me just use a good example. 
Bayside celebrated their 17th birthday this weekend. We need to pray, by the way, for Bayside Community Church. Hello? Amen. We need to pray for them. You know what? They prayed for this church a couple of weeks ago in their services by name, First Baptist Bradenton. They pray for churches every week. But, but I know the pastor over there, and I want to tell you something. They're praying for us. We need to pray for them. They celebrated their 17th birthday this weekend. I think eight locations now and about 12,000. I think that's the numbers. Forget about the numbers. What if in the next six months, this whole place was filled up? Let's do more in hallelujah. Because you know how it's going to do? You know how it's going to happen? If you start bringing somebody. If you say, hey, something's going on at our church. I don't understand it all. I can't describe it. I, I can't give you absolute. But, but I can tell you this. God is working. And let's fill this place up. Let's let God fill this place up. Now, some of you are hung up on some things right now, and you're going to have to get unhung. It may not be the way you want it may not be the way you thought it should be. Whose church is it? It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. Y'all know I love you. You do. Don't get mad at me. Don't, don't put that, that face on you. <laughs> but man, what if we just said, Jesus, what do you want us to do? And how can we reach those people that are fed up with church, sick and tired of church? How can we do that? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Pray with me. I want you to ask this question.